Welcome to another episode of the Recruitment Mentors Podcast. My name is Hisha Mazuz, and this is a show where I sit down with high-achieving and inspirational recruitment professionals across the globe. It's my job to deconstruct how they have accelerated their recruitment career and remained at the top of their game by uncovering their daily habits, mindset, approach to leadership, and much, much more. Before we get into this episode, like always, I wanted to give a shout out as I've received a number of amazing messages over the last week. So again, thank you so much for the support on the podcast and for the messages on LinkedIn. It means a lot. I got a wicked message this week from Callum Brown on LinkedIn. You said, hi, Hisham, just wanted to say I've recently started interviewing for my first recruitment role at a fantastic company. And your podcast has not only helped me understand that the world of recruitment better, but also put me in a better position to smash these interviews. And uh, Callum proceeded to let me know that he recently landed the job that he interviewed for. So Callum, Welcome to the recruitment industry, my friend. I'm glad the podcast helped. Thank you so much for the message. And uh, I am without a doubt so confident that you are going to enjoy this week's episode. It's a real from trainee to director story. Here's what's in store. A winning mindset. Something happens that they can't control. They want to find a solution to win. They don't dwell on it. They're not negative. A lot around positivity, I guess, with their mindset is so crucial to to being successful in recruitment. It would be to be brave. Um, if I could tell myself eight years ago when I first started, it would, would be to to step outside your comfort zone, to be brave, to even if you don't feel like it some days, just come in and want to win and give it 100% is being persistent with it and I I don't mean being a pest but consistently following up with these people it's not just a phone call it's an email it's a LinkedIn it's trying to just stand out to them and following that up. This podcast has evolved and is now called Recruitment Mentors. This is due to the new business I'm launching called Recruitment Mentors. Why am I launching this business? This has come from the complete belief that if you have the inner ambition and drive to become the best recruiter you can be, then you shouldn't be limited or prevented by barriers that sit outside of your control. If that's working for an organization that simply doesn't make enough money to invest in learning development, if that's working for a manager who you learn most from, but you're limited by the time that they can give you, For no fault of your own, you might end up in an environment in a recruitment agency that has no appetite to invest in learning and development. This community is built to help you accelerate your recruitment career without limits. This place is not about egos. This community is about giving you access to some of the best recruitment professionals outside of your four walls that you can learn from whilst connecting you with like-minded recruitment consultants focused on growth. If you want to be part of this community 
and progress your career without limits, then make sure you sign yourself up to our waiting list and to be informed of our soft launch in December. You can find the link to the waiting list in the episode show notes. I'd love to see you there. Come join us and be part of the first dedicated community for recruitment professionals focused on growth. That's enough from me. Now back to the podcast. Welcome to the Premium Mentors podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Melissa Horton, who is the director of the UK Permanent Division for an agency called Tech. Melissa has worked with an industry for eight years and in that time progressed from consultant all the way to director status. She's now uh, responsible for a team of 18 people um, that do over roughly 1.5 million turnover. Melissa, thank you for uh, joining me. Thank you for having me. Very excited to be here. Amazing. Well, where I want to start is, in your opinion, what characteristics and traits do you think make up a highly successful recruitment consultant? I could probably list off a lot, if I'm honest, but I'll try and keep it brief. So I would say the top one for me would be a winning mindset. Okay. Talk to me. What do you mean by that? Someone that when a a bad thing happens or something happens that they can't control, they want to find a solution to win. They don't dwell on it. They're not negative. A lot around positivity, I guess, with their mindset is so crucial to to being successful in recruitment. How do you find out or look for that in an interview? I would ask them to talk to me about how they deal, how they've dealt with in the past um, situations where things haven't gone their way, um, how they've reacted to it giving me tangible examples of how they've used their mindset to bounce back. Mm, Okay. Do you think that, out of interest on this, because I find it so interesting, do you think that winning mindset can be taught? Yes, in a way, but not totally. I think it does need to be something that's inside you. I've helped people get there along the way but it does need to be something that's inside them I think from the beginning yeah okay yeah interesting um so look what what I'm really excited to do on on this episode um Mel and as I was sharing before we started what one of the most common goals that recruiters have shared with me is they want to get to that director status within their company so um you recently got a promotion right to director of permanent division before that is an associate director yeah so what what i'm really excited to do is, is unpack the last sort of eight years right yes. so yeah. just for context just to help us out so from what i can see just got a promotion right in, in october before that was around sort of two years you as an associate director yeah and um, just help me out obviously you joined Oscar in around 2012 so like yeah. what was the journey before like just help me out with like start as a resource a consultant then was it a manager like what was the the route and then we'll start unpacking it yeah so I started as a trainee so as a resourcer um it was my first job in recruitment straight out of university I did drama at university so completely different um but I did work in telesales part-time so I had a little bit of sales experience but nothing in regards to recruitment 
So joined as a trainee um, and then moved into being a consultant after about 11 months. So it was quite a long training period and I learned a lot in that year. Okay. And then after that, how long was you then a consultant? So after that, I was a consultant for around two years and then moved into being a senior consultant, took on my first trainee. And then after about another year moved into being a lead consultant and then progressed again to managing consultant then to head of practice and then to associate director got it and um and then just help me out as a final thing yeah throughout that whole period have you always billed yes really okay still but it's okay so you there wasn't a point where you were hands off because that's good for me to know okay yeah so let's start at the beginning of this then mel how 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 would you describe your first year as a trainee at Oscar? Just talk to us. How was it? People talk about the recruitment roller coaster, and it was definitely that. So <laughs> I was, I guess, quite naive um, when I first started out. I believed what all clients and candidates said to me, and I guess if I got along with them well, I didn't really. Um, didn't really think they would lie to me or like that was quite a learning curve um so it was a lot about being brave and I guess walking away sometimes from situations from from jobs that aren't going anywhere and I wasted a lot of time initially um on candidates and clients that were never going to make me any money so yeah it was definitely a learning curve and I was only 21 when I started so my confidence wasn't where it is now. Um, so that took me a while to to build that up as well. Yeah, I think at the beginning, we all, ha- we all remember yeah. having the perfect candidate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like, no, no, honestly, they're, no, they're perfect. Yeah. <laughs> they told me this, they told me that, right? It, it's so definitely nice. something you know. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah. So, okay, interesting. Yeah. What What advice did you receive early on that really helped you? The advice that I received um, would be to spend my time wisely as much as um, someone will, uh, you'll get along well with somebody and they'll tell you all the right things. It might not be um, worth your while spending all that time working on something that's never going to go anywhere. Um, And I guess the advice also is to just work as hard as you possibly can. Because it is true that your first year in recruitment is is one of the hardest. So if you put 110% into it, it will pay off. And it, it did do in the long run, but not straight away. Okay, cool. So um, going into then consultant. Yeah. And so then went to consultant. So um, what what made you, what what did make you stick it out, out of interest? Why, why didn't you quit? Why Why did you carry on? good question um I think for me a lot of people in recruitment do compare themselves to others around them um people that you start with at the same time and I guess I was I was I was doing that but I didn't really want to fully focus on them I knew inside me that I could do it and I was just very determined to not prove people wrong but do you know what I mean by saying that if yeah perhaps you're not the most confident person, but you know that you can be. So I wanted to really push myself every single day to get there. Mm, I like that. So 
I think, look, I think in, in today's day and age, I think Instagram's a perfect place to compare yourself and feel yes. inferior, right? So I think yeah. um, I, I like the way that you've looked at that. It's like, yes, I did sort of compare myself to other people who I started yeah. at the same time with, but I didn't, I made sure that the main, where most of my energy went was myself. Yeah. So so yeah. I think that's just an important thing, isn't it? It's like, yes, it's good to compare, have, be competitive, but make yeah. sure that most of your energy is, is on yourself and your own development. Absolutely. And people learn at different paces as well. Um, it did take me a while to get good at this job, but I've been able to progress. And the people that I started with back then aren't here now, even though they progress quicker than me initially. Interesting. So you then, how long was you a consultant for? Before I went to managing people. Yeah. Um, two years. Two years. So what were those two years like? Did you become pretty good biller? Um, and also, just for context, have you always worked? So your permanent division, I was going to say, have you always been contract, but that was that would be wrong. So <laughs> yeah, obviously, so have you always done perm or always done perm? Yes, yeah. Okay. So I I was a trainee for eleven months. Um, so when I went into being a consultant, I was prepared quite well for it, and I did. I did bill um, quite well initially. It was up and down. Um, when I first went consultant, I think my first three months, I did 20 grand for each of those months. And then I had a blank. Um, so it was dealing with those ups and downs initially. But mm. yeah, it took me a while to remit, to get consistent. Okay. So let, let's just talk about that for a sec. Yeah. So from what I gathered on LinkedIn, so like you do the, obviously the tech market yeah. and you do it in sort of Northern regions, it seems like. Yes. Up, yeah. Right? So yeah. Northwest. Yeah. Northwest. So what did you have to get really good at that enabled you to stand out in the crowd or have a chance? Because for me, tech recruitment is the most crowded place. Like yeah. it is great. Like, like there are so many tech recruiters out there. Right. And yeah. even more so in UK markets for sure. So like what, what did you have to get really good at as a consultant that you think really contributed you to being more consistent that helped you stand out and achieve your goals? I think it's a really basic skill and another trait that I was going to mention earlier about a successful recruiter and it's, it's listening so I think it's forgotten about a lot in recruitment, but if you're a good listener and you can really listen to your clients and your candidates and understand them fully, then you're in the best position to deliver what the client wants and, and get the candidate what they want as well. So I, I do really listen to people and what I made sure I, I tried to do as much as possible was meet people face to face, get in front of them, dedicate that time to them. And the majority of the conversation them talking and me listening mm. and what was you listening for that you think like that, that helped you then come up with the right solutions or whatever like what 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 were the things you were you like making sure that you really listened to that helped you build credibility and trust just just understanding them asking them open questions um getting them to be open with me as well I guess the the best relationships is where you can be open so if you can build that rapport initially they are more likely to be open with you and and show them that you are a real person you you want the best for them um so I, I found that 
by building that rapport and, and making people feel comfortable, then they are more open to giving me the information that I need to help the client and help the candidate. Okay. Love that. I think it's a great thing to highlight, isn't it? Listen, because sometimes, yeah. especially early on, you just want to, you want to take that job brief. You want to, you want to yeah. like just get down to business, don't you? You're so excited, aren't you? And and that's great. But if you're not listening, you just, you're never going to be successful. Mm. So spoken about listening, one of the most popular areas that people want to know about and learn from people about it is client development. Yeah. So what were some of the most effective ways as Mel, the consultant, which obviously I'm sure you're still billing now, so you're involved in this, but like early on, what what were the most effective ways that you found really helped you build your client base? I just worked harder than, than anybody else. Um, I just really do enjoy what I do and I would just give it 110% and go the extra mile for them. Um, I know it sounds really basic, but it was just <laughs> my my graft and my, my work ethic that I guess impressed them and then I recommended me to other people within the business and it started to build out my client base. Okay. So I all we always hear about, and I'm sure you help your team with this, the yeah. importance of, of getting referrals and recommendations. Absolutely, yeah. And a lot of people say, look, most most all of our clients come from word of mouth and all this, right? Yeah. What what have you found has, has been the, the best way of doing that? So yes, delivering, but like if we're going really practical here, a lot of people want to know, right? What what is actually the best way of getting referrals? So yes, you have to do a good job. Yes, you have to deliver. You're not going to get referred if you're shit. That's 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 that. But yeah. Like, what have you found is is the most effective way of actually generating a consistent flow of referrals and recommendations? Showing that you're solutions focused as well. Um, showing that you're not just an order taker. You're here to to give them solutions and make a difference. Um, I think that that can be forgotten about as well. That we are recruitment consultants. Um, so consulting them, providing solutions, and yeah, just showing them that you'll make a difference. Yeah, what I had to learn early on, and I always meant my. Um, manager said to me like you, you need to you need to not be a yes man yes yeah yes <laughs> so true <laughs> yeah and that but that's that I feel like that comes when you build up some confidence and, yeah. and all that right and but I think you're completely right it's, and I think even more so in the last six seven eight months if you haven't been con- consultative and coming up with real solutions then pff, uh, I mean I don't know how how you would have survived yeah Exactly. It is. It's about confidence. It's about being brave and perhaps suggesting solutions that they might not like to hear. But at the end of the day, they'll appreciate it. Okay. So management, is that something that you wanted? Do you know what? Initially, because I'm not, I would guess, I guess when I say when I first started out, I didn't ever think I'm, I want to go into management. I just wanted to make money and and progress um, in terms of my financial earnings. But then when I first took on my trainee, my first trainee, I did really enjoy it. And I do still enjoy it now. What did you enjoy about it? I just enjoyed being able to really make a difference to somebody's life so recruitment can change your life and if I can make someone good at this job I know that it is genuinely gonna 
help them have a, a better life, both inside and outside of work. So is that what ended up being your bigger motivation? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. But a lot about seeing people um, grow in their confidence as well. Um, I think initially it it can be quite a difficult job, um, but if you can help somebody perform better but grow as a person and, and grow in their confidence, then that is it is really rewarding. Okay. So what did you end up growing? So you took on your first trainee. What, what did you end up growing that team to then before you got to sort of head of practice? I think there was around about seven, seven or eight that I was managing. Okay. Yeah. So let's just talk about that transition for a second, because I think that's what people find that the most difficult. Yes. What What did Mel do to make sure that you manage your time effectively that meant that one, you could maintain your performance yeah and then also make sure that you're getting the best out of your team you're helping build their confidence they're improving like how how did you how did you go about what did a typical male day look like or what does it look like now what have you done to make sure that you maximize your time because that seems to be a real sticking point for a lot of people that go through that transition absolutely and I think it's crucial that you create pillars and what I mean by that is my more experienced consultants in my team can help me deliver the messages and help with um, perhaps less experienced consultants and trainees but having those seniors and those lead consultants that are are below me to really drive the team as well is, is, is really really what's helped me build my team out and I think sometimes they can look up to them because they're a little bit closer to the level that they're at rather than me who's been doing it for eight years um, so it's just good to have different pillars, I would say, to to help your time, but also to build people's confidence as well. Interesting. So when you say pillars, yeah, so, you, so it's not just completely reliant on Mel to... No, absolutely okay. not. Okay. But how do you communicate that to someone that, like, what's in it for that person? Like, how do you, like, how do you get the, how do you get the buy-in of... Do you get what I mean? Becoming a pillar for for male because I might think, well, you're you're just going to benefit from that, right? Like, so how do you cultivate the mindset of, well, actually, that that's in my interest to do that, or how have you, what have you identified in people that you've then sort of encouraged that have then they've then ended up being a great pillar for you? Yeah, well, there's a, the phrase isn't that delegate to develop. So I think for them, it, it's going to develop their career. So most, well, all the people within my team do want to progress. So by giving them different responsibilities, the way that I would sell it to them is that that's going to help them get to the next level. Um, People are going to look up to them and they're going to want to be them. Um, So not just for their progression, but also being that go-to person in the office, that another role model that we can have that people can look up to. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. Interesting. So sort of tapped into their drivers and it's that yeah. will help them progress and things like that. Yeah. Cause we, we regularly do like, P- PDPs, personal development plans and one-to-ones and understand people's whys and what they want to get to next and how they can progress. So I always know for each person within my team, what they're working towards. So that helps me manage them obviously, but also when I am delegating, using that knowledge to help them want to do it, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, because I've heard this a lot. So, like, how how important is it? I'm assuming this might be something you've had to get better yeah. at. But like, how important is it to know your your individual teams' wise? So important, I would say it's it's crucial, and the wise can change as well. So, I think it's important to have those conversations fairly regularly because people can change in terms of what what's driving them what's motivating them when I first started it was just to pay off all the debt from university and <laughs> start um actually getting out of my overdraft um but now my why is is a lot different so yeah understanding that is is crucial I think and, and how often would you encourage and what's worked for you from a management perspective to keep a pulse on that what was that something that you do on a quarterly basis sit every six months or what when do you try and get a check of that with people I would say every every month if you can do um, more formally you would sit down every quarter but I like to try and check in with people on a, a one-to-one every month just to to make sure I still understand that that is what's motivating them because um, some people aren't as vocal as others as well so it's important to really address it with each person. And and how does that actually help you as a leader get get the best out of these people? You can remind them on the hard days of of what it is that why they're here. Um, when they're having a really tough time, you can use that to really bring them back and and motivate them to to push forward. And like, like obviously, you've been on your own journey on this, and it does change. But do you think it's yeah. got to be bigger? Do you think it's got to be bigger than money? Yes. Yeah. I really? would say so. Yeah. Because um, for me, what I've had to work out myself, like I think the, the the slight sort of change is like, okay, if you say, yeah, you're not completely motivated by money, that's okay. For me, what helps me with that? Because I'd say I'm one of those people. But for me, what I had to have to work out is like what that money will enable me to do. So yeah. for me, it's like, right, so if I achieve, if I do 100Ks worth of, of, of revenue in my in my first year of business, um, I don't get excited about seeing that 100K number. That that doesn't excite me. It's yeah. what's attached to that, right? So it's, well, if I achieve that, that means that I'm going to be able to take my girlfriend to this place or it means I'm going to be able to support my parents with this or whatever, right? So that that's, yeah. when you say it doesn't have to be bigger than, it has to be bigger than money, I think it's working out what's attached, what things are attached is. to that. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of people will say, oh, I want to buy my first house or I want to buy a car. And that's great. But it's about breaking it down for them. Well, okay. well, how do you how much do you want to save each month? How many placements Mm. do you need to do to to save that amount of money? So making it real to them and and really breaking it down and even having a picture of the house that they want on the desk just to keep motivating them. Yeah, and I think that's it. Sounds really basic, but if you have like yeah. it's that seems just such an effective way of um, making it achievable is that breaking down the targets to yeah. what's your average deal placement to okay, well, how many CVs does that mean you have to send out, and how many interviews have you got yeah. to book in, right? And makes it really tangible. Absolutely, making it real is is really important. So really keen. So we're talking a bit about sort of mail the manager here and and how you've progressed yeah what as you built this team so has it always been in like the permanent have you changed teams or has it always been in the same sort of world always been permanent yeah okay cool so I'd be interested to get your thoughts on this so like for you what are like the free non-negotiables of, of your culture that you think drive 
the performance of your team? So like what are the, the free non-negotiables for the Oscar, for the permanent division within your culture that you think really contribute to, to you and your, your team performing? Mindset, collaboration and work ethic. Really? Yes. Yeah. Collaboration is key, I think, and, and so important and something that I really push on within the team for people to share what's working well because everybody's got their different strengths and for some reason not a lot of recruiters like shouting about what they've done well um, because they think oh why would anybody want to hear about that why would they be interested but I encourage people every single day if they've had a win let's tell the rest of the team about it because we can all learn from each other and I think that's one of the the main reasons why my team is consistently doing well and continues to break records is because we're constantly looking at what's working, adapting it, sharing it, and it's pushing us forward. I really like that. And I think part of that as well is like, it's very easy for Mel, the recruiter that's been doing it for eight years yeah. to think that win, well, everyone must do it like that. Do you know what I mean? Like, especially if you're experienced, it's very easy to go just expect or assume that, well, of course, why wouldn't you do it like that? Right. Yeah. So, how do you how how um how do you get people to communicate that? Is that I don't know? Do you have a WhatsApp group and it's like guys just just changed my email to this and it's really resonating with people? So, or is it? Yeah. Yeah. So we, we do it in multiple ways. So we we have daily scrums. So in the morning, in the afternoon, and towards the end of the day, we'll have a scrum. Um, and within that, I'll get people to share anything that's worked well. That will be from trainees to lead consultants. So at every single level, um, we also have a WhatsApp group as well. We also obviously have emails that go around regularly. But yeah, as many ways as possible to share what's working. Love that. And then how do you prevent, surely you must have sort of had to combat like this sort of just internal competitiveness because surely do you know what I mean or is it is it very easy to manage that because they're doing different verticals or different spaces I just feel like some people might be listening and go yeah I'd really love to do that but Jim and Henry they do go up against each other and and they're sort of covering the same patch do you know what I mean I don't know have yeah. you had to combat that no not really because we all work different verticals um so it, it does help us in the sense that nobody is directly against each other. Um, so I've not had to come up against that, thankfully. Okay, fair enough. So you then obviously, so you, you've been growing your team and then so after that, you then got the head of. So how many people are you responsible for then? So at that time, it was around about 12. 12, okay. And then yeah. did that change much when you got to associate director then? Did the responsibilities change there or what was the sort of differences? No, it didn't really change that much. It was just to recognise the the amount of people I was looking after. And within my team as well, I had seniors and leads building their own team. So okay. I was like the, the grandma or the great grandma. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Why, why have you, so like, I think for me, what, what, like, I'd be interested to get your thoughts on like, why, why has Mel been able to get those opportunities? Because a lot of people may be in the same position as you are and yeah. someone else gets the promotion or whatever. Like, why, why have you been able to go from 
yeah, team lead to head of and, and not stop there? Like, why, why, what do you put that down to? I'm just consistently persistent. I don't give up. Um, when I hit my target, say I hit my target halfway through the month, I don't sit back and chill out. I'm like, right, okay, let's keep going. Let's keep pushing. Um, I like to push myself outside my comfort zone. Um, yeah, I know it sounds really basic, but I do, I don't switch off. I just keep going. I always want to get better at what I'm doing, even where I'm at now. Um, being director there's still things that I can get better at and there's still things that I'm working towards so yeah just keep pushing for more I like that and when you say keep pushing for more and and you hit your target like how have you communicated that so is your direct report Andy then or is it someone else or not so yeah Andy and Matt who's the other director as well Okay. So the reason why I asked that is because I, I was having this conversation with someone else the other day, but like how involved have you got those guys in your targets and basically sort of agreeing like, Hey, if I do ever exceed, will that mean this? Or like, do you know what I mean? How have you communicated that to the people sort of above you that are the people that ultimately can encourage the progression and, and yeah, decide on the progression essentially, like how involved have you got them in your targets out of interest? very involved we've got a really open um culture so Andy and Matt are are there every single day and and we're having conversations like this all the time and they're definitely two of the reasons why I am where I am because they will push me that little bit more um and they won't kind of let me stay still which is great okay what's what's what have you found most difficult so far with Mel the leader and, and managing these people and, and, and getting, yeah, managing even more people. Like what, what have you, what have you had to, to overcome? I would say time management. I know you probably hear that a lot, but especially as your team grows and especially because I'm still billing as well, just having, um, why, why have you, have you, have you, con- have you decided that, that you want to stay billing? So I am going to be transitioning to being more hands-off in the very near future. But I've always felt that me doing it helps me lead from the front and helps me manage and and motivate people because they can see me doing it. And I'm in touch with doing recruitment every single day. So when I'm telling them to do something, they know that it's coming from the right place. Mm, Because there there can be sometimes that friction, can't they? Yeah. Yeah, But I do think it's a bit of a cop out, though, isn't it? It's a bit of like, well, now look, you're not you're not on the phones like I am. (laughs) Yeah, of course it is. So I can actually show them that I've done it, and I guess they know that I wouldn't ever tell them something to to do something that I haven't done or wouldn't do myself. Yeah. So let's let's break down this time management then, Mel, because probably one of the most popular questions that I get encouraged to ask is like. What did Mel, the 100K biller day, look like compared to what it looks now when she's billing X or managing your responsibilities or whatever? Do you get what I mean? So, like, yeah. what what talk, break down your day for me? Like, what what would like a great day look like for you? What what time do you start? What do you make sure you have in there? What are your sort of non-negotiables for your for your day each day? Like, what does your day actually look like that's enabled you to maximize your time being a leader and billings? Yeah, so I split my day into four. So officially we start work at half eight, but I usually start around half seven, quarter to eight. 
Um, so a bit of a morning person and, and get up about quarter to five in the morning to do my workouts before work. Um, but yeah, usually my day would start at half past eight doing the, the daily scrum with the team. So that's setting out um, targets and pledges for the day, doing a bit of a motivational, I guess, um, chat of where we're up to so far in the month. Again, sharing anything that's worked well the day before. Um, and then we'd we'd go into the day um, from there. So from about 10 to 9, 9 o'clock, um, back to our desks. And then I would probably sit with my trainee initially um, and make sure that she's properly set up or she, he or she. Um, and then I would split my day into client development, account management and new business. Okay. What are they the next the next stages? The next yes. parts of it. Okay. Yeah. So it, it, it can vary each day. Um some day so some days half my day is split with dedicated to my team and the other half would be Mel on her billings. But we have yeah. this um phrase which is taken from Trevor Pinder who came in to do some training with us about wearing a green hat. So when Mel wears a green hat, you know that you can't distract her. She's focusing on her 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 billings and her desk um so it's about being a little bit selfish as well and and not wanting to answer every single question that's coming to you at times you do have to just dedicate it to your own desk and and make sure you're you're managing it in the right way so so putting that stake in the ground and going look guys if it is like a really bad situation you can but like i'm focusing yeah yeah absolutely so what so what do you do before clearly you're someone that's quite organized <laughs> yeah or be working be. on it right but so like yeah. i had um um someone you may know a lady called amy still from memorial bond on and, and yeah. for her she really broke this down really well and she said what her act what she had to make sure she did and what really made a difference is making sure that when you do go into that part of your day that you know exactly what you're doing like so, so how when do you prepare and what do you always prepare for always prepare the day the night before so when I'm I'm going into my day it's not just saying right I'm going to do new business today and blindly call companies I know exactly what companies I'm calling who I need to speak to what the reason for the call is so I'm prepared a lot of it is about planning and preparation to make sure your your time is spent in the best way and, and most effectively and you're not working till nine ten o'clock at night because you planned and you prepared for it yeah okay yeah so that plan but it's important isn't it making yeah. sure that you know okay so how much of a plan because i think it's so easy for recruiters to go i need new clients I need new candidates and you probably yeah. hear this all the time but like time. how how much of a strategy or have you ever had a strategy or how have you approached and what's come out of conversations recently is actually like what are you doing to grow existing accounts that could that could be that could grow right so i don't know what what's been your journey or maybe some of the the people in your team like what what have you seen work and do you have a plan and strategy to actually take an account that's typically spending anywhere between 50 to 100 150k with oscar tech to making that the following year 250 quarter of a million like 500k account like what I don't know what have you approached it what's been going on there yeah I guess so for example for me I've always done software development and I think when you first start in recruitment you can be quite narrow-minded to 
just speaking to the software development manager because I want to make placements for developers within that team. But we cover so many different disciplines across Oscar. So within technology, but also within sales um, as well. So we've got different consultants all work in different areas. So I think it's just making a conscious effort to make sure that you're reminding the company that you work with that you can't just help that hiring manager, but you can help other teams within the company and, and really giving them an insight into who Oscar Tech are as, as a business. It might be that they've got an office over in Austin or Houston where we've got offices as well. So really just having the bigger picture in mind when you're speaking to these people, um, which initially people do struggle with, but it's only going to benefit us, obviously, if we can integrate into different hiring managers and if we can place within the sales team, also in the, within the technology team. So yeah, just thinking of the bigger picture, I guess. Okay, interesting. So from what you've seen and, and the people you've worked with, the people that you've had in your team in time, like where do you think most people go wrong with client development? Because it, it's definitely the area that most people feel they need to develop the most in. It's the area that people may find most challenging at the beginning. Like where, where, where do you see recruiters typically go wrong? They give up after the first, I guess, two or three attempts of contacting the client. So some of the most successful recruiters in my team and something that I've always done is being persistent with it. And I, I don't mean being a pest, but consistently following up with these people. It's not just a phone call, it's an email, it's a LinkedIn. It's trying to just stand out to them and following that up every single day. The follow-ups. Yeah, it's it's very basic, but it's something that's forgotten about. And it, it might be the 20th follow-up you actually get through to them. Mm. And, and this has come up again quite a few times, but I guess there's that fine line of being a pest, isn't there? And sometimes yeah, that prevents people from the follow-up. I mean, I, I had the nickname in the office when I was in recruitment of Hisham the Hounder. <laughs> <laughs> and Because I, I, I was... I was I was I was pretty pers persistent. I, I was yeah. that person, but I think where I could have improved looking back was like I was confident that if they did pick up or I got hold of them, that it would be a good experience and like I'd I'd be able to yeah. build rapport or whatever. But I think where I could have improved and be a bit more tactical is like, and this is what I'd be interested to get your thoughts on is like, what do you try and do in those follow ups? that might be a bit different. What I mean by that is instead of always just trying to go, hey, we'd love to chat and tell you about what we do here at Oscar Tech or whatever, like, are you leading with value and going, hey, look, I've just seen this article, thought it might be interesting. Do you know what I mean? Like, so what, yeah. what do you try and do in these follow-ups to make sure it's not always the same message? So if you can make it personal to them, so say they've just won an award or as you say, they've, they've written an article about something and, and you've picked that out and you've said, look, I've, I've listened to this that you've done. I found it really interesting. Be great to chat. Like you're not just doing the basic, like, can I send CVs to this job? You're trying to find something that's going to stand out, um, whether it be congratulating them on the, on the recent promotion or, as I said, if the, the business has won an award, just something a little bit different that will show to them that you're making an extra effort to, to get their attention. Yeah, I like that. 
And then I, I got this question through the other day from someone, but like, uh, and it can be yourself or someone out, uh, someone else that you've seen. But what what's been the the weirdest thing or the most out of the box thing you that you've done that's ended up getting you that opportunity to get that client meeting or start working with a client? I guess something that we've done recently, um, because obviously with the pandemic, a lot of people have been working remotely. So we've been doing um, voice notes on uh, LinkedIn, which has been um, something that LinkedIn have introduced the last couple of months. So voice notes have, have gone down quite well. And when you sat at home recording them, you do feel a bit strange at times, but I guess that is, um, it's paid off for us and it just shows that you're an actual real person. You can put your personality into it and I've had a lot of success from doing that. Yeah, and the, the good thing with those as well is um, they're only a minute long, so they're preventing yes. from waffling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you can keep it, keep it quick. Okay, so, so no, you haven't got like a chocolate bar story or like some mad wacky story which... That, that's that's what I was I was looking for but voice notes on LinkedIn that's super practical voice notes on LinkedIn um, handwriting letters I've done that before okay. as well just something a little bit different and posting that to to clients so you know the ones that you are you have been hounding and you tried everything you possibly can um, handwriting a letter has, has worked quite well in the past <laughs> even if it's Love just that. to say thank you for that I appreciate the effort <laughs> At least it's a response and you've it's another touch point. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So what what I'd love to just talk a bit about now before we finish is like sort of um a bit more about leadership and maybe a bit more around sort of how you've had to adapt or how you've approached the the last sort of six to eight months. Cause I, I think I mean I, I don't manage anyone and I think that, that must have been so difficult to sort of adapt and sort of communicate the right things and, and be the leader remotely. So yeah. one of the things, this is one of the, the questions that I think is really, really interesting. You've mentioned it a couple of times about yourself and your own journey and other people, but when, when you are developing people that are rookies or early on or whatever point in their career, like how have you like dealt with or helped recruiters that doubt themselves? Like how have you really actually helped these people um, not doubt themselves or doubt themselves less? Like actual advice around that? Reminding them of the little wins that they're getting every single day. I think a lot of people, for the right reasons, are looking at the long term and they're getting a bit down because they've not got a new job in or they've not got an interview today or you know, something that's that's quite tangible that we're aiming for, but they're forgetting the little wins that they've got. Um, so just reminding them of that and reminding them that if they keep doing that every single day, it is going to get them the result they want and making it real to them by saying, look, this is what I did and this is how that's helped me get success. So I think those little wins every single day, just championing them has, has really helped people and helped Make, help make it more real and build their confidence yeah okay nice and um what what has been your biggest challenge now over the last sort of six eight months i know obviously it's a bit there's been different stages to this right yeah. in terms of being being in the office for a period and stuff like that but like what what have you what have you found most difficult as, as a leader of yeah now 18 recruiters um obviously through that period some of that might have been completely remote like what what have you found most difficult as a as a billing leader 
Yeah, I think when you're managing people remotely, it, it is difficult, especially with those that aren't as as vocal. So the ones that aren't ringing you as much, you, you tend to to worry, are they okay? Because you can't see them. So um, it's just making sure that I'm spending my time wisely in terms of communicating with them regularly. Because um, I will get up some people in my team that are calling me more than others. And I've, I've got to remember that those that are still um, that are not getting in touch to, to follow up with them and making sure that I'm making an effort to communicate with, with everybody. Mm. And how just out of interest, like how, um, how have you incentivized people? Remotely, because I think it's, it's normally the holidays and all these types of things. You know what I mean? How have you, I don't know, yeah. how, how have you, in, how have you, in, what have you been doing to encourage people to, or give them the, something to really drive? Obviously, I know you know their why and stuff like that, but just curious because there's, there's people are going to have good days and bad days, right? So I don't know. Have you had any interesting incentives or have you done anything that has sort of, you've seen a real engagement from your team and had an impact? Um, I guess we've done little things like delivery vouchers, um, Amazon vouchers. We've done like cocktail making classes, um, just getting deliveries for people because there's not really been much we can do, but just mm. trying to make make the best of it um, and get people on on camera as well as much as possible to to try and do socials remotely um, yeah. and just see people and interact. I think if you were to ask someone to do a Zoom quiz now, that oh my god, I'd hate that. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> no once you're like one or two at the beginning, then it's like oh my god, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm done. Um, but what I was going to say, like how just again out of interest, like I think one of the the biggest impacts on this will be sort of people's mental health and and sort of the, the yeah. mindset. And I think even um, more so, like for for you guys right now in Manchester, right? I had. Um, a lady, Abby uh, Dunnon, who has a recruitment business that serves the hospitality industry, right? And yeah. sort of at the beginning of this period in, in March or so, it was more of like just processing it. Like, oh my God, I've got Boris Johnson on my telly telling me I can't leave my house. Like, is this real? What, what is actually going on? And yeah. then we've been on this whole journey now where we're sort of, we know what could potentially be around the corner, but you might build up some momentum. You might be like, right, this it's been really nice. I feel a bit more back to normal and then get hit with like, right, you're back in tier three, right? So I guess what I'm asking is like, how have you become better or what have you tried to do to make sure that you can actually find out if your people are okay? Because it, it, that's even more difficult for a screen, right? So like, how, how have you gone about, how have you been trying to really find out from your people if like how they're doing? just constant communication with them um, even more so than when you're in the office if that makes sense so just really making sure I am I'm checking in with them regularly and it's not just about work it's kind of about like how's like what have you done at the weekend like how is everything outside of work um, it's more mm. on a personal level as well and I think it has it's it's helped people bond and it's helped me bond more so with my team throughout this time as strange as that sounds we've not actually been together but really just making sure that they are okay and it's not just about work that I'm calling them about yeah fair that 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 makes sense um and another like real practical thing here Mel like how have you so KPIs yeah. right? <laughs> 
<laughs> like what uh, I'm assuming like you've had to maybe uh, adapt on what you look at and sort of I don't know with, with the the sort of like you're back on talking about sort of smaller wins but yeah what, how have you had to approach like making sure that because there, there's got to be that line isn't there where you've got you've got to keep on top of performance and they're doing what they sort of need to do but you don't want them to make them feel like you're just sort of pushing them down do you know what I mean so have you had to change what you what you typically measure that could typically mean that they achieve the goals that they need to? Like, how have you approached the metrics and what you've been looking at as a leader to make sure you're keeping tabs on things and sort of performance yeah. where it should be? So we've, we've been constantly looking at what good looks like. And I think when the pandemic first happened, that that did change initially. But we've been lucky in, in technology that it's bounced back very quickly. So we're now back to what we know good looks like in terms of our outputs before the pandemic. Um, so we've not had to change too much. It was just the initial, um, I guess, the phase when it when it did happen and we all went into lock, lockdown that we had to revise our expectations um, slightly, but then just keep kind of on top of that in terms of making sure people are motivated but we're not being unrealistic with what we're expecting based on the market yeah i got you yeah i think i think quite early on i saw quite a lot of people talk about made sure that the sort of metrics were mainly around things that you could control like the amount yeah. of conversations you have and stuff like that right absolutely um yeah. just interesting on this one i've asked it um once before and I did a post about it I think um it's just an interesting one like what do you think is the most important KPI or action that uh, for a recruiter that sort of contributes to success I would say decision makers spoken to so Ooh. conversations that you're having with decision makers interesting nice okay yeah um so Mel, what, what would be your advice for, for someone? Two things. Firstly, what would be your advice to someone that might look at sort of your career and go, I'd love to get where Mel gets to. I, I want to achieve that director status. What, what would be your sort of, could be top three things or like what, what would be your sort of top advice for recruiters listening to this that want to progress and um, get to that director status within their agency? What would you say to those people? My advice would be to be brave. Um, if I could tell myself eight years ago when I first started, it would, would be to to step outside your comfort zone, to be brave, to even if you don't feel like it some days, just come in and want to win and give it 100%. Um, because that ultimately is going to get you to the, the top if you you give it even when you don't feel like it fake it until you make it um but yeah just be confident be brave and don't doubt yourself I like that and then the other thing that I'd love to get your thoughts on is like if I'm if I'm sort of early on my sort of leadership journey yeah. like obviously you, you've sort of really sort of grown into that and like what what would your advice be for sort of potential new billing managers or sort of recruiters that are on that that early path of, of becoming a leader and being not just responsible for themselves but responsible for more people in their, their team so you've mentioned that time management is something that you really had to brush up on and, and your biggest challenge but what would your advice be for new billing managers or people early on in that sort of leadership journey 
I would say feedback is really important. Again, that's a really basic one. But I think when you're becoming a manager, you're either really good at giving the negative feedback or really good at giving the positive feedback. And what I've learned is that you need to be good at both. You need to remind people how good they are in certain areas, how well they're doing. So you need to give feedback when they're doing well. Or you also need to give feedback when they're not doing so well and they need to improve in certain areas. So make sure you are both carrot and stick. You're you're giving feedback from both sides. Yeah, I like that. And um, before I ask you the sort of five final questions, yeah, I just had a just interesting this one. I had a, it was one of the questions that Andy sent me, and it was just um, how much do you think you've changed as a person? since the early 20-year-old now out of uni. Oh, Really? Absolutely massive, yeah. Um, I think it's confidence more than anything. I remember when I first interviewed with Andy and I had a glass of water on the table and I was so nervous I had to hold my glass of water with two (laughs) hands. Um, But, yeah, now, like, for example, on Friday I did a pitch to a new company um in front of a, a boardroom of, of full of people so it's it's confidence and if I didn't get into recruitment it wouldn't have made me the confident person that I am now yeah I think I think that's amazing and I think I, I was talking to you about this before before I asked you these questions I think um definitely part of that I was saying I had um Gabby Trotter on who sort of said that was sort of what she really had to build on confidence yeah. early on and, and part of that definitely was um yeah lack of female role models so yes I don't know so you're 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 someone that's um yeah can be a great female role model for people but I guess if I'm listening right now and I'm a um young ambitious um lady that wants to do well in recruitment but yeah may lack that confidence what, what would you say to them just believe in yourself and if you haven't got a female role model in your company at the moment um I didn't have a female role model I had got great role models in Andy and Matt but you can become that role model for other people so use that as your motivation to say right if I can get there then I can make sure we get other female role models in the company so just having that I guess that drive to become the female role model within your business mm, so use that as the drive yeah I like that yeah, that's what I did really yeah yeah absolutely I wanted to I wanted to get there and I wanted to be that person that other females can look up to and that's helped us at Oscar now have a a really good split of of male and female role models I love that so I've got five questions for you Mel okay yeah before we finish so these are sort of quick fire questions but you don't have to answer them in a in a quick way just let me know what comes up for you okay (laughs) so um the first question is, if you could change the industry, the recruitment industry, what would you improve? If you'd asked me this before the pandemic, um, I would have said collaboration with other businesses in terms of recruitment leaders collaborating together and not being against each other. I think that has changed slightly and got better since the, the pandemic has happened. Andy does a lot with other recruitment leaders and looks at what we're all doing well and how we can share that what I spoke about before in terms of collaboration but I would just say more of that more of recruitment leaders in different businesses working together rather than being against each other 
I love that. What book have you read that's had the biggest impact on you? Good Vibes, Good Life. Mexican. Good Vibes, Good Life. Yes, it's absolutely brilliant. It's all about... Give us a synopsis. Positive mindset, what you think you create and just believing in yourself. It's, again, what I just spoke about earlier, having that belief in yourself, not being positive that you're you're not acknowledging um, negative things that are happening, but you're looking at it in a positive light and how you can guess be a solutions person rather than somebody that's negative and dwelling on situations so I'd recommend that book to anybody I love that if you could write a LinkedIn post that could be seen by every single recruitment consultant across the world yeah what would you want it to say interesting I actually did one recently that it's very, very basic, but it's um, it was something along the lines of, I'm eight years in recruitment and I'm still excited to come to work every day. So aim to be excited. So be excited to go to work every day. That yeah. should be your, yeah. And I, I put that on LinkedIn and Andy or Matt, they didn't tell me to write that, but I do, like I am genuinely excited about coming to work even eight years in. Yeah. Okay. Love that. What did you spend your first biggest commission paycheck on? Oh, what did I spend my first biggest commission check on? Well, initially it was my overdraft and my credit card. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But then I bought a a pair of Labutins. Did you? My first pair. I've now got three. (laughs) Really? Love that. Um, Final question. what's, What's the ultimate goal for your recruitment career? to inspire others and to be a role model i love that mel it's been an absolute pleasure thank you very much i really enjoyed it well done on making it to the very end of the episode i hope you enjoyed it i've done my very best to try and level up this podcast that will hopefully mean that you can take even more learnings from these conversations and apply it to your own recruitment career. Like always, if there are any particular topics that you would love me to cover with future guests, then please get in touch with me. The best place to reach me is on LinkedIn. Send me a message. What would you love me to cover with future guests? And if you have enjoyed the podcast, then it would be amazing if you could leave a honest review in your favorite podcast streaming platform. That will simply mean that we're able to reach more people with this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to subscribe completely free on your favorite podcast streaming platforms. And we'll be back next week with a new episode of the Recruitment Mentors Podcast.